0: Welcome to the Before Midnight Podcast, coming to you from the N Plus One Studios overlooking beautiful downtown Frankfurt. In this podcast, we explore the world of age group triathletes. We'll be looking at the real world challenges of being an amateur multi-sport athlete. I'm your host, Linda Word, along with my co-host, Brian Schenkenfelder. Long time no see.
1: It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. (laughs) Our monthly podcast.
0: Yeah. We were hoping it would get better, but (laughs) it hasn't happened. So sorry, everybody. Not yet. We'll see. We're getting there.
1: We're getting there. We'll find out.
0: Maybe. I don't know. So your world's gotten a little bit easier recently.
1: Yes, soccer's ended, which is exciting. No, not really. Not it really. Makes no. life a little bit slow for a while <laughs> until so it you, picks back up. And
0: what do you do with all your spare time? Play Fortnite. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's yeah, soccer ended. We, uh, my team did okay. Okay. Not the best of seasons. Fortunately, the last team we played, we won't play again because uh, they assume they will move up. They outscored oh. us they like 84-4, to 4, <laughs> all oh. the teams this year <laughs> in our league. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're going to be gone, so it'll be interesting to see what we look like in the spring. I think we'll be a lot better team. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Alex's team kind of had a rough second half of the, of the year. They didn't play as well. Mm. They took a... Couple losses down the stretches, some ties, and they they didn't get results against teams they probably should have done better against. They uh, kind of just faltered on the back mm-hmm. half of the season. That's okay. It there'll be a happens. spring season. We yeah. uh, we'll have some winter stuff that we'll have to do. For the most part, there'll be some winter training and things. But that's going to be much lighter. It's not nearly as intense as the season where you have multiple practices and games on weekends right. and stuff. It's just we might get together once a week and practice. There you it's go. Pretty easy. But yeah. I think no, I'm just trying to enjoy the uh, the last of the warm weather before it gets cold as hell.
0: Right. It's been lovely out, actually. Yeah, yeah. the
1: last week or two I've actually gotten to ride my bike some.
0: Yeah? Cool.
1: I haven't gone on any super long rides. Uh, the longest ride I've been on is probably about two hours. I'd like to have done a big ride, but
0: I haven't done hardly any road biking. I've done a lot of mountain biking, though. Cause yeah. gosh, it's been beautiful. So, and that's something I can do real quick right after work. I don't have to deal with traffic. You know, I can just boom go down there and not worry about all the commuters going home and fighting with all that stuff. So, it's been good.
1: Yeah, mountain biking's mountain biking's different. I I don't know. I've, I've mountain biked for a few years. I got into it for a little while, but the road's just more fun. <laughs>
0: You know, in some ways, yes, but logistically, it's kind of like swimming is really hard because there's so much stuff involved. Running is probably the easiest out of all of them. If I'm going to, if I need to get outside, get some exercise real quick, which is about all I have time for right now, running is the fastest, most efficient way for me to do that. Yes. But with the knee issues I'm having, that's not the best idea. So mountain biking is actually the easiest for me to man, you know, just for me to manage, but now that it's dark, as soon as I get out of work, we'll see how much, ma- how brave I am if I'm going to do some nighttime.
1: Yeah, the uh, problem with like mountain time, nighttime mountain biking is the need for really, really bright lights. and You need two really, really bright lights. Well, and I do have them. I mean, I've <clears> got one those. for the head and one for the for the the handlebars. Yeah,
0: when I the only time I've done it, I only had one on the handlebars, and I learned very quickly that no, I needed way more <laughs> than that. So I've, I mean, I've invested in pretty decent lights. They're both thousand lumens, I think. Um, so
1: it like barely makes the. Because most of them, mm-hmm. most of those people don't have like two thousand lumens. They usually have some pretty. Some of them some, are like eight. I yeah, mean, it's got crazy. Some people well, out there, and that's when you're, stuff. you know,
0: they're, they're hundred dollar lights. I mean, they they get up there, but. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's light. it's crazy expensive. Yes. The other thing too is you have got to put it on top of your helmet, and it doesn't come off very easily. So I'm gonna have this funky mount in the middle of my head for a few months. We'll see. I am I'm, it wouldn't hurt me to get another helmet just to have another one around. So yeah, I may just invest in another helmet just to stick the light on top of it. <laughs>
1: but Yeah. Mountain biking's expensive. Yeah. Uh, that's during the winter. I usually try to ride at like seven in the morning before the sun comes up when it's frozen mm-hmm. that way. They, Cause soon mountain biking will be pretty much impossible except for the mornings.
0: Depends, yeah. Depends on the rain and things like that. What they did recently is they started blowing the leaves off the trails. They were they waited until after it rained because we haven't had any rain for mm-hmm. forever. We finally got some rain, so they waited for that and blew the trails. It was like being on brand new pavement. It was awesome, <laughs> except yeah. that they didn't do all the trails, and I kept missing turns. I'm like, oh shoot, you know, because you just couldn't see it because the yeah. leaves. Okay. So, but uh, it was fun. It was really nice.
1: Yeah, once winter comes, it once the ground gets really soft, it yeah, you, it's really hard to mountain bike during the day. Yeah. Just because they, I mean, you can. It's just really muddy. And you're gonna tear up the trails. what well, people do. With it all my time. schedule,
0: it's not gonna be happening at night anyway. <laughs> so. You can be
1: riding at night. You can wait for it to get down below thirty-two at night and ride. Usually, I do mm-hmm. it in the morning. That way, the ground is good and frozen. Yeah. Which is really slow riding, by the way, because it gets real crunchy.
0: I think I've only done it maybe once or twice I don't know
1: and They're it's just, just really cold and it's 30 degrees outside so even mountain biking.
0: <laughs> yeah so we know how cold. much you like the cold there so Brian. Cold.
1: <laughs> Winter's miserable <laughs> yeah. for training.
0: Well I managed to finish up uh, we did the history half marathon mm-hmm. had shoot I think we had 400 runners 450 between the 5k 10k and the half marathon so that was great worked real well um and we ended up with like perfect weather it was like 52 degrees at the start it's like can't ask for anything better no, that's a
1: pretty good weather for them.
0: yeah yeah it was it was really nice and uh <laughs> again last year my half marathon lead cyclist didn't show up at all and i had to lead the fill in fill in the race like right before i was not expected to do that this time it was the 5k lead cyclist And she showed up, and she's like, I don't know the course.
1: The 5K is manageable. The 5K is a 20-minute race, a 15, 20-minute race. (laughs) So she was like, well,
0: let me go ride it. And it was about, that race was supposed to start at 8.15, and it was like quarter till 8. And the half marathon started at 8. So I was like, you know, here's the course. Go, you know, go do it quick. And uh, so at 8.11... She still wasn't back. So I got up my bike and I put on my helmet. I was like, I guess I'm leading because I don't know where she went. And runners are lining up, you know. I mean, they were counting down. It was like 8.14 and she rolls up. And she's like, I got this. And I'm like, okay, go. I was like oh my god
1: like, what are you worried about just you're gonna be behind the 10k cyclists anyway no that we did it differently this year
0: <laughs> we so because the last three or four
1: times the 10k runner's been the fastest runner out there the
0: the race organization got very crazy this year due to a couple glitches that were not our fault but uh we run up and around the capitol yes for the half well normally we run between the annex and the capitol building since the last time we had this race, they've blocked that off. You can't bring a vehicle between there You can't there
1: bring a vehicle up there. You can...
0: You probably could. Well, they said... No, you mm. can't...
1: Yeah. You'd have to get permission and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, they said no, that we couldn't do it. So that meant we had to change the half marathon and the 10K course. Why? Somewhere, because it made it too long. Because
1: well, we wouldn't... had to
0: go up and around the annex that added a bunch of mileage. So we had to... Didn't you, didn't you always go around the annex? No. We went in between. We went in front of the floral clock. You should be able to go between the annex and the Capitol still. They won't let us. You, can, you should be able to run through that. Well, the other problem was that they double booked because of the way our lovely city works, which I do love it here. But the Capitol gave permission for a rally to happen at 9 o'clock. Our race started mm-hmm. at 8. They were using that space.
1: Okay, now that's and that's a different problem.
0: Well, they still weren't going to give us permission, even if the rally wasn't here. They, they, they just said, no, no, we, we could not ride in between there. So, okay. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I mean, they got blocked for car traffic. I get that. Right. I don't know if it's because emergency vehicles wouldn't be able to get through there if something happened. I don't know what their reason was. I just know they said no. Hmm. The rally was going to be able to go through there, but we were not. I agree. So the half marathoners were really happy because we cut off that extra mileage on uh, Lewis Ferry, which is like everybody hates that road. And they're like, hey, we get to turn around sooner. Not by much, but they got to turn around sooner. So that made all those people happy. But it messed up the 10K because they were going to have to go around. So where are we going to cut them? So we had to cut the course for them in the cemetery. They didn't get to go all the way back like they usually did. Yeah, I
1: mean, which is fine.
0: Which is fine, and we had signs up, but somehow our lead runners for the lead female runners for the 10K did not catch the turn the way they should have, even though it was at the water stop. We had a bugler and a drummer right there dressed in historical costumes. There had, well, there was no, there's there's no guys was, around them or anything. And there was uh, somehow, I, I, I guess a few of them did. I mean, I, I, th- I guess a few of the guys did. They, they followed the course for the half. Where the so sign the guys was do it too. The where the sign was located was over to the right, and it w- even though there was markings on the ground, and people, you should know the course. You that's well, I mean, your that's,
1: responsibility. That is your responsibility in a so, race.
0: Anyway, so that got a little messed up, but they and then the volunteers figured out that oh, the water stop people were like, well, maybe we should move that sign for them. Yeah, that would be helpful. So they did that, and then it was fine after that. So that was great. So the half marathon and the 10K went off together instead of the 10K and the 5K. The 5K went off by itself because that course was totally oh, man. different. that
1: had to mess with a bunch of the, the better half marathoners. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, you're starting off with some 10Kers who are going a lot faster than you want to go. Right. And you don't really realize that they're 10Kers probably until you right. know, they, like, start peeling away from you because you're like well, i'm going too fast
0: <laughs> the leader for the half marathon finished shoot it was something outrageously fast it was like one it was in the 120s well the other thing we did i had for my leads i didn't have two cyclists i had a cyclist for the 10k and i had a scooter for the half marathon, this guy—he really wanted to help out. He wanted to do it. I'm like, okay. And he used to be a runner, so he's got a pretty good. Oh gauge. man, that would
1: have been a nightmare because you have all these 10Kers running around this guy who's leading the the half marathon. Because you would have had they stayed. They of actually
0: they ended up staying together, like both leads. You know, the the scooter and the cyclist until the cemetery when they split. That's when, because I had a very experienced guy doing the 10K and he knew, you know, who the 10kers were and they were just sticking they did they mm-hmm. didn't go any faster. So
1: so the half Finder guys were like rolling at 10k pace. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. wonder the time was so fast. So,
0: yeah, it was it, you know, if we had to we ended up having to negotiate the course probably five or six times with the city and you know, it's like, oh, you know, well, why don't we turn it here? Nope. You can't do that because we can't have police there. And, you know, they won't be able to be there that long because we were messing around with a 5k course too. It, it, I mean, and we're talking like two weeks before the race, we were still working on this course because we didn't realize that they had a rally going on and it just changed everything. So race director nightmare, but we got through it. Beautiful weather. Um, the other thing that happened, this is a, you know for the history center and bob and i took it over about i guess three years ago right before covid and they um we used to be able they used to have 24-hour security at the history center they don't have that anymore they're like six to six or seven to seven or something okay. like that so the race started at eight well runners like to get in use the bathroom pack a pickup all that good stuff Hope you had porta potties They absolutely would not open the history center before 7. Yeah. So we had one hour. And then the security guard was late. We probably had 50, 60 people outside the history center. Did you have port uh, they potties Luckily, they were right down in front of the old state capitol, so we just sent people down there.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean,
0: um, you should have had some port
1: potties Come
0: on. Well, we ended up getting one moved to the start line, yeah. they moved. They actually moved the one from down the street to in front of the okay. start line. But it was crazy. And the other race director, me I mean, we were the ones that were just rolling everybody in, getting everybody checked in. Yeah. And at a quarter to, a quarter till eight, it was like, okay, we got to go. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, it, it ended up, it was frantic, but it ended up being really good. And I don't think, we didn't have any complaints from anybody, except for the people that got a little lost, but they ended up being... You know, they ended up being first, second, and third, just like they were supposed to be. They did a little, they probably did instead of 6.2, maybe 6.3. So. A
1: little extra mileage.
0: little extra. Sorry, but it happens.
1: So. Well, I mean, races aren't, they're never accurate, anyways. So it really yeah, matter. it's
0: not like it's a Boston qualifier or something like that. Then it's a little vital for things to be accurate. But, well, even in the
1: Boston, I don't know, most races aren't that accurate. They're usually off by some. I mean,. I mean, I understand like the Boston is because it's been measured and run a million times. Well, but Boston your local... qualifiers,
0: though, should be, yeah, they've but... got to be certified and they should be accurate if they're short. accurate <laughs> Well, and it really depends. If, you, if you're if you really into it and you've got to make sure that it's precise, you're on a bike with a wheel and you're doing all the tangents and you're doing it just right. Most races are done plotting, you know, on a map, on a computer. Yeah
1: what I well said they're so accurate. yeah, mostly accurate. They're mostly they're close, accurate, <laughs> you know. it's close enough.
0: If you you know, you might end up with you know, whatever 13.12, you know, or something, yeah, I, I mean, it's, mean it's, it's close enough that it's close match. enough, yeah. It's like, like, oh, I, I didn't care. run the tangents, okay, you know, yeah. so you run the tangents, it's going to be different anyway, or if you don't run the tangents, so anyway, so that was good, got through that. What else has happened? Gosh, it's been three weeks. I don't know. I think that's about it that I can remember right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, we're it's in crazy. middle of
1: off season, so there's nothing going on.
0: Just, swim meets.
1: Just training to train. Yeah, like, I'm going to do a swim
0: meet. I know you're yeah. not going to do a swim meet. But are the you doing a swim meet? I can't. I won't be uh, here. Okay. So.
1: Yeah, there are some sw- the winners for swim meets if one's, people are interested in those. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not.
0: Oh, I, do I was the eighth work. woman in our local 5K. There you go. That was cool.
1: Yeah. With no training.
0: Yay. I, and the only reason why I did that well is because I can zigzag through all the people that were not supposed to be up front. That was seven hundred and fifty-six people, I think, at the Black Cat Chase. It's the first race I ever did, so I do it every year. And I was actually I did twenty-three fifty-two, which I didn't think was too bad for somebody who wasn't trained <laughs> at all. That's
1: solid. Solid. work. Yeah.
0: I thought it was. I even walked up one of the hills. I had a lady that was trying to beat me or, you know, making sure I was in her sights. And uh, she, uh, so I let her pass me going up the hill because I I know how well I can run downhill and I knew I'd catch her. I think I ended up beating her by about a minute and a half. She wore herself out.
1: Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's usually what happens in those situations. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, today we were going to talk a little bit about Garmin devices again and that little recovery feature and there was an article that you were looking at
1: yeah it was in usa triathlon they were talking about you know we have all these wearable devices that we can get time distance we can get with gps we can do power we can do speed we can do heart rate and then we get into the more complex things like heart rate variability which can tell you how you're give you an idea how you're doing fitness wise what kind of shape you're in it's very helpful in trying to determine if I'm in a recovered state enough Mm -hmm. to be able to exercise because your heart rate variability is high when you're ready to train and low when you're not. Okay. Just something to kind of keep in mind because uh, you want that high variability because that means you're ready to go. There's your heart's all over the place when it's real low. It means that it's fatigued and Mm -hmm. needs some rest and things of that nature. Um, so all this technology is trying. If if you've ever used a Garmin product, you'll see like a recovery score, a recovery right. time. It's eighteen hours, twenty-two hours, and things like that. The article that we I was reading in USA Triathlon was talking about: is this can this technology properly access your balance? And they spend time talking about how they uh, the your wrist data will gather data. You know, it gathers information, analyzes it with proprietary algorithms, which you know you don't know the details because it's done by Garmin yeah. <laughs> and them, I and that's I kind of that. their trade secrets. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll give you a, a readiness, a recovery score. They'll give you your training stress, all of that stuff. And this article was kind of arguing that, hey, okay, it has this data, but there's no way to um, really make Accurate calculations because they're using this algorithm. They're making um, it, it, the Garmin will use a bunch of different data, like your heart rate variability. It'll use your resting heart rate. Right. Kind of now that it tracks your sleep, the duration, the quality of it. All these things go in. You know, it can since we're if we use it for all of our training, it's going to have your training duration. It's going to have your intensities. Right. It's going to have your heart rate. You know, on a bike or even on the run, if you have a power meter, it's going to have the power data. All of that information can go into creating this res- readiness score. But is it accurate? Um, and what this article argues is that, okay, this is not going to be accurate. The, their argument was the apps and devices take all this data from many sources and guess what your recovery time should be. And the argument is data does not equal scientific truth. Mm. And their argument is composite scores are not reliable. (laughs) For me, my big problem with this is this seems like a good way. um, I don't know. I I, I think this is a way that coaches are like, we can get rid of, you know, this data is not accurate. We're. I don't know, I feel like they're trying to dismiss Garmin's data out of hand. Um, You know, their argument is that yes and no, and you should really, you know, you can look at the data, but don't take it to heart. To me, that tells me that, like, okay, I'm a coach. The readiness says you shouldn't do a hard workout today. My plan says you should do a hard workout today. Well, you know, you should just listen to your body. The, 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 The data may or may not be accurate. My big problem with this is that Garmin has. This comes into this battle of well, it's not scientifically accurate, but at the same time, Garmin has big data.
0: Yeah, they've got millions of people. We're talking about huge
1: data. There's, unless you're an outlier on the on the physical scale, yeah. i.e., like a super elite athlete or just a really horrible athlete, yeah, somewhere on the outsides of the bell yeah. curve. Yeah. Okay, if you're in those positions, maybe it's not super accurate. If you're in the bell curve, like almost all of us are, that number is going to be really, really good. And it's going to be, I would say, accurate. Because if I'm talking about a 14-hour recovery period, if I'm off by 1% or 2%, okay, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, yeah. we're not talking yeah. about huge. You can have a huge amount of variability and be close enough to accurate okay so even if i'm off by an hour one way or another yeah it's going to be accurate enough
0: for what i'm trying to do and normally it says you know 12 hours 14 hours 24 hours it's like well yeah i'm not going to work out again until tomorrow
1: Anyway, and, you know, and, and people kind of and, it's, sh-
0: and it's talking about hard workouts generally. Yes, it's I mean, talking that's what about it, it's hard not, workouts. It's not doesn't mean about, that you can't go for an easy run tomorrow. Correct. You know, for three miles or whatever. But you probably might not want to do another interval run that fast. Right. And,
1: and that's the big thing is that if I'm a coach, I'm like, okay, I got to get these interval runs in this week. Their schedule is only allows for this time period. Mm-hmm. You know, and that recovery score now all of a sudden is pushing up against it. Well, I really need them to do that hard run. Yeah. So we should we're just gonna ignore the data. We'll go do the hard run versus listening to yourself. And this this gets down to the problem of training plans in general of we're capped by a seven day week. Yeah. Monday and Tuesday are this the, the days we do this. Wednesday and Thursdays are days we do this, rather than basing our workouts on our recovery. Let's go out and ride hard, let's recover, and let's go do another hard ride. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that well, t- today's my long—the only day I can ride for three hours.
0: Right. Today's Tuesday. I gotta do that. Either. I gotta. You know, I don't and have like, time for it. Yeah. And
1: that's the difference between the professional athlete and the amateur athlete. A professional right. athlete, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Right. I'm a professional athlete. Okay. I gotta recover today. We'll go out tomorrow and go hard as can be. Mm-hmm. And that's the advantage that a professional athlete has over the amateur athlete as well, right. because now I can train more effectively because I'm not constrained by well it's the weekend the weekend's the only time I can do a long bike ride I can't do a three hour bike ride during the week right right. I gotta work I got things to do yeah and, and that's kind of the big thing but my argument is is these things are accurate at least accurate enough for what we need to do as athletes mm-hmm. like if it's 10% off on 13 hours it's only off by an hour yeah you know it's not like I'm like oh my gosh 13 hours up now I can go and do a hard run <laughs> <laughs> You know, more than likely, so there's when, a time I'm going to do it. And if I'm off by an hour or two, yeah. I'm, I'm probably okay with going out there and, and going yeah. and doing the hard workout if it's off by a little every bit.
0: Every once in a while, mine will be like 36 hours, and I'm like, okay, really? I, I, All right, well.
1: Oh, I've had days. I This came back to me at one time, like three and a half days. Oh, wow. You know, it's, and that's okay. And every time I've tried to do something hardish on a day where I've had 10 or plus hours of recovery time left, I have – done poorly mm-hmm. that number works because it tells you hey i'm ready to go out and train hard you know if you just want to go out and ride you're gonna be fine you might feel fatigued yeah. things things might feel hard you know I've, I've gone out and done like a bike ride when i'm 24 hours of recovery time and climbing hills is much harder on those mm-hmm.
0: days <laughs> yeah days you're tired
1: yeah but that number to me is accurate because i fit in the bell curve like most of the listeners of this podcast, are going to fit in that bell card. Very few people are on those outliers where that data is going to be inaccurate enough in a way that it matters. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, if I'm an elite athlete, there's only maybe, if I'm one of the 10 fastest people in the world, there's only like a small set of people that are in my range that we yeah. can compare data with.
0: Karma doesn't have data on you all.
1: <laughs> well, they do, but it's limited. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a small, small part, set. Yeah. And therefore, the algorithms probably struggle on those yeah, people yeah. if you're in the bell curve those algorithms are designed for the bell curve because well, it's big are, data
0: that are that elite are gonna have other things to help them with their recovery anyway so most likely yeah. as well yeah,
1: yeah you've, you know this is that whole well it's not scientifically accurate versus because we're not able to go into a lab and analyze all this data accurately therefore it's not accurate versus what big data is telling us you know for me once data gets big enough and you get enough data points that matters more than the scientific truth of what is perfect what is reasonable what have we learned in a lab mm-hmm. because this data is real world yeah you know, what but, is then it
0: can be replicated you know it can be replicated you can do it you know it it's been seen again and again and again, and that's how they pull it all together. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's they've got so much case. data
1: that they're basing these things off of versus you know going into a lab and scientifically doing it. You know, the problem with the, the scientific stuff is, to some extent, those results are theoretical. I'm doing a test with 20 athletes, 50 athletes.
0: Right. Unless you can do that again and, and again, again. and again, and again,
1: which you can't. So those surveys and studies and stuff like that have their own... Inherent problems because mm-hmm. of such small sample sets, right. where big data doesn't have that problem. It is yeah. like, big sample sets because
0: thirty thousand people. Yeah, it may not these...
1: make scientific sense why these numbers are right, but guess what? They're right.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, sometimes the data tells us more about the real world than the research does, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what this was. And this kind of just wanted to bring that up. There's like, hey, you know, if you have that Garmin data. Trust it to it. some extent.
0: Yeah, use
1: it. You know, use it and trust it. It's going to be good enough for the average person. Yeah. You know, if that's like if there's one hour left and you want to do a hard workout, that's a borderline totally case has. anyway. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a borderline case anyway. Yeah. You know, but if it's saying, hey, you need to wait three days, you might want to wait a day or two before you try to do a hard workout yeah. again. Yeah. You know, and let your body adjust. And, you know, a lot of it is you also have to kind of put in the data too, you probably need to be sleeping with. That's the right. Watch you and need getting, to actually wear the, yeah. The more the data you be. provide your Garmin, the more accurate that data yeah. is going to feed back. Because again, it's all based on real world big data, other yeah. people with similar profiles to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that article kind of, that kind of tweaked me the wrong way. I, I, you <laughs> <Really>?
0: know, I, <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> had no idea. Because <laughs> I, I just, I, I,
1: to some extent, you know, data matters more than, the true scientific yeah. matter, because data is gonna reflect reality, especially if you get enough of it.
0: Well, very interesting. Alrighty, so trust you Garmin. Yay! <laughs> well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to us and watching us on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, so if you're watching us on YouTube, what do we do? We hit the like
1: button. We hit the like button. Hit subscribe. And subscribe. hit the bell. And it'll notify you when we update once a month.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, that'll get better, but I don't know. <laughs> And if you're listening to us on iTunes, what do we do? You can rate us, right? Rate us, five stars. Five stars, us always good. Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll talk to you next week.